Hi, I'm Sam Payne, host of the Appleseed Podcast. I'm Lisa Valentine Clark, host of The Lisa Show. I'm Stephen Cap Perry, and I host In Good Faith. This is Julie Rose, host of Top of Mind. I'm Marcus Smith, and I host Constant Wonder. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. We have a Christmas tradition at BYU Radio that we love. Uh, the hosts of BYU Radio podcasts gather around the mics together to share Christmas memories and thoughts. There's some jolly sharing, there's some tender sharing, and we've even got a piano here we'll probably put to work a little bit before the hour is through. We hope our sharing prompts sharing of your own and that when our hour together is over, you turn to the ones you love to share your own Christmas memories and thoughts and hopes. It's a BYU Radio family Christmas, and we're excited to share it with you. We've all had a moment to think about what we might share here, and how about we begin with you, Marcus Smith, host of Constant Wonder? Well, for some reason, my mind has gone back to the television sets that we had when we were kids. Uh, I'm talking not concurrently, the one that broke and the one that replaced the one that broke. And they always had snow, more snow than what you really yeah. wanted to see. Snow, yeah. that's Christmas thing right there. Well, uh, <laughs> here's here's what I remember above all from childhood Christmases and television. It was the Grinch who stole Christmas. And you <laughs> didn't get to just pop it in and listen to it on demand or watch it. Yeah. Uh, you waited. You waited a long time. You waited for months, and then you get get one shot at. Well, the thing about the the Doctor Seuss, the Grinch who stole Christmas, the special that would come around, is that uh, I know it was supposed to teach a lesson, and for some reason it, it never really succeeded because <laughs> it's it's you know it's that anti materialism kind of thing going on that it's not right. about this, it's about this, and we're saying as kids, yeah, we know what you're trying to teach us, but it really is you get stuff, you eat stuff, if you have to sing. Stuff you sing a little stuff, but then you go back and you know rinse and repeat. You get stuff and you eat stuff, and that's Christmas. Um, and so the idea of trying to learn a selflessness yeah. as a child—that's a fraught proposition. And uh, I, I don't know that um, together with my siblings that we we really got there quickly. But then you become a parent one day, and you start thinking about inculcating some kind of virtues in your offspring, and Christmas rolls around, and you've got very young children, and you're thinking, will they get it? Sarah and I, we've tried. We've tried, and I think we've got some pretty good kids, and I'm not going to paint them as saints or sinners, uh, but something did happen uh, with our young children that surprised me, and it... And, and maybe this is telling, more telling about me and, and my heart than it is about what other people are like. Uh, but, but gratitude showed up on Christmas. Uh, in fact, for many Christmases that, that surprised us as parents, uh, me, me and, and my wife Sarah, we, we were so grateful that they were grateful. Here's, here's an example. Uh, uh, a a three-year-old, uh, maybe two and a half, three, thereabouts, uh, Solomon. My, he's my uh, third child. And uh, he wanted this toy. You know those marble runs? You snap them together and the marbles mm-hmm. go from the top and they clack and they, yeah. and they, oh, they yeah. go all the way it's down, fun. you know. Well, uh, for some reason he wanted one and it came at Christmas. And you know the, the anticipation, the desire, the hopes, the dreams, the, the marble run. Uh, we, in our family, for some reason, we call it a marble trap. I don't know where that came from, but he wanted a marble trap. And it came. And he was so happy and he snapped it together and he put it all together and then at the last moment, he found the little container that had the marbles. And the realization hit him that it came with marbles. <laughs> and he said, Mommy, it came with marbles. Oh, thank you, Mommy. Aww. And just that extra level of gratitude where he was initially, he, he, he was happy enough yeah. that he got what he wanted. But the bonus came too. Yeah. Uh, but to, to be able to see... Genuine, authentic, real sincerity from kids saying, thank you. I've never had a better Christmas gift. Hmm. Hmm. Nice. Nice. Thanks for sharing, Marcus. How about you, Julie Rose? Well, um, 
So right around the time that my siblings were having their kids and I was becoming an aunt and thought that was the best thing in the world, I was also at a point in my career where I needed to be in a different, bigger media market as a radio journalist um, in order to kind of advance in my career since that was the thing that was going on in my life. (laughs) And so this was like mid-2000s. And what that meant for me was that I had to leave the place where all of my siblings, most of my siblings were with their kids and move across the country to North Carolina. Most of my siblings were in Utah. Um, and so that meant that my nieces and nephews would see me like once or twice a year. And mm. I was, well, I mean, there was no FaceTime. This is like pre-iPhone, right? <laughs> so, so the kids didn't really know me. And it would always take them, you know, two or three days to kind of warm up to me before they'd even, you know, want to be around me. And then I'd turn around and fly back to North Carolina. And this was breaking my heart. So... I started recording myself. I, like, I went to the library and basically took all the books off of the children's library section and took them home and turned on my little microphone and started recording myself yeah. reading the books, yeah. right? Oh, what a and great adding idea. That's in, fantastic. I was by adding, the way. That's yes. That's great. Okay. So, so, and then I was like, well, you know, I'm a radio person. So I had this, so like added these cheesy sound effects, you know, <laughs> and just kind of like went all out on it. And so every year at Christmas, I'd send a story time with Aunt Julie CD to my nieces and nephews. Well, so after a couple of years of this, I had basically gone through all the books at the library and um, I decided, okay, I'm going to really step this up now. So I decided to write some stories based on the point in our lives when I and my four siblings were all this sort of like wild pack between the ages of like five and 12. There were Uh five of us in seven years, right? So we were really close in age. And we lived in downtown Provo, Utah, which had nothing happening at the time. And there weren't very many other kids. So we mostly just played together and kind of roamed the streets in the 80s on our bikes cooking up adventures that our parents would never have approved of. And so so I was that, writing these by stories. By the way, is a scene from E.T. Yes. Exactly I was living that, that yeah. except there was no alien except my little sister who was sometimes <laughs> incomprehensible. <laughs> um, so... Uh, so at this point, my—and uh, and these are true-to-life stories, right? Like, I'm—I mean, they're, they're actually things that happened, but, you know, I sort of had to make a moral to the story. Anyway, and each of the children sort of had their, like, personality trait that you could identify them by, right? Anyway, it was a fun exercise for me. I was like, oh, we'll see if they like these, but they're not as good as Skippy John Jones. So honestly, like, who's going <laughs> to like these stories? Well— But what is? Right, but at this point, like, <laughs> the, like the CDs are part of the routine at night. So along comes this Christmas CD of— true stories about the Rose Kids, right? And, um, you know, they're like, well, like, who are the Rose Kids? Right? I'm not sure what to make of this, but without any real warning, my my siblings, the parents of all these children, oh, here's the new CD from Aunt Julie. They pop it in the CD player, leave the room. My nieces and nephews cannot believe what they are hearing. Like, it's like, <laughs> I was not in the room, but from the oh, reports wow. I started getting the very next day, my siblings are sending me text messages like, uh... What did you put on that CD? <laughs> what, are, what, what have you done? <laughs> you revealed all of our secrets. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it took a little bit for the kids to kind of get their heads around the idea that, like, these five Rose kids they were hearing about, Julie, Chris, Liz, Annie, and baby Laura, were the grown-ups in their lives, right? And that, yeah. like, wait, Mom, your name is Annie. You're— are you that Annie and the Rose Kids? Right? The and one who... Yes. Yeah. And I mean, there's nothing scandalous in these stories. It's just like the five of us dumpster diving around town and bringing home treasure and <laughs> digging a hole in the garden and putting yeah. down a tarp to make our own hot tub and like, yeah. you know, cleaning the movie theater across the street to make money. But mostly it was just about eating the candy and popcorn off the ground. And <laughs> so, so, my, so my siblings are kind of freaking out a little bit because their kids are starting to save us stuff like, hey, mom, can, can we dig a hole in the backyard oh, no. to make a hot tub? And mom, can we go dumpster diving? And my siblings are like, uh, no. They're like, but you did when you were a yeah. kid. So, yeah. so it's this delightful mayhem, and I'm on the other side of the country. <laughs> Just tickled that, A, these kids are seeing their parents in a whole new light, you know, yeah. as yeah. grown-ups who actually used to be kind of interesting, right? And, and, <laughs> and then be. <laughs> well, you know. So now all of those kids are mostly teenagers mm-hmm. or on the verge of being teenagers. And there is this funny thing that happens where Christmas, you know, we're all around the table, and then, like, we're done eating and we can't get up from the table because we're so full. And then the adults start to talk and reminisce. And you've got these teenagers who kind of really want to leave the table, but but they also kind of want to be part of the grown-up yeah. chat. And yeah. then one of them will yeah. be like, 
Hey, Mom, remember when you sold pictures of Uncle Chris to all your friends in middle school because they all thought he was cute? (laughs) (laughs) And my sister will be like, she'll look at me and roll her eyes and you will be off. Yeah. Conversations about funny memories. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. I'm thinking about what, what what would a CD filled with stories about the pain kids. Right? And yeah. the Valentine contain. kids. Yeah, yeah. I can yeah. see great stories, I'm sure. I can yeah. see the pictures in yeah. my head. That's for right. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I like I want to get together with my siblings now and say. Yeah, it's such a great idea. Yeah. So, We're on you your know, side. There, there's something wonderful <laughs> about that. And the, the thing I love about about being in the room with other people who shared the experience is, <laughs> you know, sometimes we think, sometimes we think that because we were there, we know the story, you yeah. know, because we can tell it in first person and we know what it is. And, but, but get in, in a room with even one other person who was there and you hear a whole new story. Yeah. You hear a whole different story. What a, what a cool thing. That was a, there are people a, who base law careers on this, that's this right. fact that you can that's right. pull in. Different versions of the story. Yes. Yeah. Well, that Funny was how a, we're all storytellers. Yeah. yeah. That was a fan, I knew that one would tickle you, Sam. That was a fantastic Christmas story and gift idea all in one. Yeah. Yeah. That was fantastic. Yeah. How about we wrap up this first part of the show with a song? It's called Night Shift. And that title may not sound like it, but it's a Christmas song, I promise. And I'll tell you why. There are two bad guys in the Christmas story we tell, Herod and the innkeeper, right? And I've frankly been thinking about the innkeeper. I mean, he's he he is completely imaginary, right? I mean, in in the Bible, there is no innkeeper, right? I mean, he, he's not mentioned as a as a person. Well, they got to fix that somehow. They should write that in. That's right, <laughs> a revision. Yes. But somehow, culturally, we've kind of imagined this guy, right, mm-hmm. turning the holy family away on the eve of the birth of the baby Jesus. And I mean, I suppose there had to have been an actual person telling Mary and Joseph that there was no room in the inn. And if there was, I don't imagine him as being mean or uncaring or insensible to the spirit of the Lord. I mean, at least no more than anybody else, right? And if anybody said there's no room in the inn, it's just as easy for me to imagine him meaning this is no place to have a baby. <laughs> Let me find you a place where you can be alone, you know, mm. as as anything. But since then, 2,022 years worth of motel desk clerks have been trying to rehabilitate the imaginary innkeeper's <laughs> image, right, by right. being more or less nice to us when we show up all tired from the freeway at a Comfort Inn or a Best Western. And like you, I've met good desk clerks and bad desk clerks. We all have. Mostly, though, they're fine. They're even nice. I mean, maybe your mileage may vary, right? Maybe I've had good luck, right? Some of the the desk clerks that I've met are proud of their work. They're committed to it for the long term. They're super dedicated to impacting a night's stay for the better. Most of them, though, are not. They're just getting by. They've taken a motel gig until something better comes along. I knew a girl once who spent part of her childhood living in a room in a two-star motel managed by her single mother. Mm-hmm. And for recreation, she swam in the motel's guitar-shaped swimming pool. Mm-hmm. I, I stayed at a Hyatt Inn in New York just a few weeks ago. And the pair of clerks behind the desk, a guy and a girl— they could have been Mary and Joseph in a Christmas pageant. I mean, the girl was even great with child, right? <laughs> but thoughts about the imaginary innkeeper in the Christmas story came to me this season on the heels of thoughts about traveling for the holidays. Our kids are grown up now, and that means that our house is holiday HQ, right? People come to our house to celebrate. But when we were younger— Every Christmas or Thanksgiving meant packing up the car and traveling the long distance home. We did the traveling to mom's house or grandma's house. And when I was a little kid, grandma lived far enough away that we'd sometimes split the drive into two days. All of us welcomed to a night's rest in a shabby hotel in Winnemucca, Nevada, at more or less the halfway point after a long day's drive by an innkeeper. So... This is an innkeeper's song. (laughs) It's been a long night at the Comfort Inn, the Comfort Inn. The home 
homeward bound come to rest their heads They ring my bell and I let them in I let them in And pile them up in my downy beds It's been a long day on the interstate for everyone The freeway markers flicking by their cars And every one of them comes in late, comes in late Bleary-eyed and weary riding home from the wars So let me run your credit card Just for any incidentals Tell me what you need And I'll do what I can I'll see you in the morning For a little continental Biscuits and gravy And raisin bran I ask them all where they're going to Going to It seems they're most always halfway done They thought at first that they'd push on through, push on through But the road seems far longer than they counted on So let me run your credit card Just for any incidentals Lay your head down until you get your legs I'll see you in the morning For a little continental biscuits and gravy And bacon and eggs It's been a long night at the Comfort Inn The Comfort Inn Folks like you, they all come, you know Ring my bell and I let them in, I let them in And they stay till they're ready to go So leave your key card by the TV set Don't worry about it Think of me again when you're out here alone I'll watch you by day And I'll watch you by night, my friend Cause I know what it means To be on your way home On your way home On your way home On your way home Yeah, very nice <laughs> Nice, Sam nice. There's a lot more coming up on the BYU Radio family Christmas Stick around It's great to be back with you on the BYU Radio Family Christmas, a special time. We spend a lot of time working together, but not much time behind the microphones together. And I look forward to this every year. Guys, it's it's so great to be with you. It's Likewise. It's so good yeah. to be here. Thank you. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the Christmas. <laughs> yeah, me the, too. The Christmas stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I always feel like the thing that you... Uh, choose to do for a living, the thing to which you dedicate your 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 time as a professional person, right, can kind of become the window through which you see a lot of the, you know, through, through, through which you come to see the world, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I sort of feel like I've had experiences as a radio person that have helped me into some of the Christmas stuff Absolutely. that I experience every 100%. year. Absolutely, right? yeah, yeah, and I, I, and and that's what I wonder. I wonder if you guys feel the same way, and 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 are there some experiences you'd be willing to share? Years and years ago, I worked at a station in Salt Lake City. Yeah, and they were and are the king of Christmas. <laughs> Like each year, they start a day earlier until it might be the end of August. I can't remember when they, <laughs> oh when they yes. flip the switch. But if you know about radio stations, you know about remotes, which yeah. is that the, they say, well, so-and-so is out at the tire store, tire store. What's going on at Big O today, Bob? And Bob says, oh, you got to get down here. We've got free hot dogs and a sale. You can't believe the tires. They're flying out here. 
And it was that kind of thing. But I got assigned to go to uh, a state park called This Is The Place State Park up Mm -hmm. in Salt Lake City. And they have this huge Christmas village. And I, my job was to show up and say, not tires, but it's Christmas up here at This Is The Place. And you don't want to miss the hot chocolate. Oh, there's free hot chocolate. And there's, you know, if you're driving home and thinking, what's for dinner? Well, hot chocolate and you can get waffles and, you know, just all of that. Christmas, 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 come celebrate with us and freeze. And, And so between these, I would have sometimes half an hour to stand outside and be cold. Yeah. But I discovered that there was a manger set up <laughs> with actual animals. Like there oh. was a donkey and they had a camel. Wow. A friendly innkeeper. A friendly innkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Poor camel. So I would sort of, you know, Mary and Joseph hadn't showed up for the live nativity yet. So I would get out of the wind. I would go in the manger. Huddle. <laughs> hoping no one would see me, you know, in the middle of the, with the bales of hay. And... <laughs> And that was Christmas to me, was was my time sitting there where baby Jesus was going to be and where Mary and Joseph were going to be mm. when there was no room in the inn. Yeah. And that was so cool that after that, it wasn't all about the hot chocolate. I said, you've got to get down here and get your family to be thinking Christmas spirit. Come join me in the manger. And it, I don't know. It was just this little change that happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, the second appeal, people started arriving. (laughs) They thought, we have hot chocolate at home. But when I started talking about this, and they were bringing their kids and started showing up, and I thought, wow, not only am I part of the community Mm -hmm. here sharing something cool, but it's something that became very meaningful to me more than just say some stuff to get people here. What a beautiful metaphor, too. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. I love those moments when— you know, you're 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 rushing around. You have a lot of responsibility. You're interacting with a lot of people. You're kind of leading a show, and then for a moment that goes away, and you're left completely to yourself mm-hmm. and your thoughts. And sometimes some kind of magical things can happen in yep. those moments. And then you're called back out of it, right? And you're back in front of people, and you're doing your thing. And yeah, yeah, yeah that that really resonates. Mm-hmm. You know, can Thanks, I just Steve. jump in here because you said being alone with your thoughts for those little spells that are kind of in between when you're. That happens in radio a lot, yeah. uh, where a, a lot of solo work. I began in radio, you know, a quarter of a century ago, and it was in classical music hosting. Yeah. And at Christmas time, of course, the playlist is devoted almost exclusively by the time you get to the 25th to, to the Christmas playlist. But when I first began, I was not yet acquainted with an annual tradition over 100 years old now going back to, in England at King's College, Cambridge with what is called a Festival of Nine Lessons and Carols. And so radio was my introduction to this venerable, long-standing tradition among those people who celebrate through music Christmas in, in England. And, and there's this uh, public radio tradition of bringing the live broadcast. And so we got to, at our local station here in Utah, we got to go to England and listen to the beautiful uh, choir singing. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, it's called the Festival of Nine Lessons and Carols. The carols is the music part. The lessons is the spoken part. I didn't know what to expect because I had never heard this programming before. And uh, I was there in the studio all alone and and listening to this new experience, uh, a completely new experience for me. Well, here I am, a Latter-day Saint living in Utah, Mm -hmm. listening to Anglicans across the pond. And there's a chance for me to do a little bit of sort of comparison about, you know, how do they do Christmas? How do they handle the Christmas story? What kind of narratives are going to come out? How does this relate to my own belief system, my theology, my my Sunday school lessons? You know, uh, first, as as the service gets underway, because it is a service, it's not a performance, it's not entertainment. It's it's seen as a religious experience, a a sacred experience. So it it does begin with, with, with prayer. But before they give the prayer, you get to hear these words. Be it this Christmas Eve our care and delight to prepare ourselves to hear again the message of the angels. In heart and mind to go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass and the babe lying in a manger. Let us read and mark in Holy Scripture the tale of the loving purposes of God 
And this is where I, I, I suddenly thought, wow, this is not just this nativity story. This is a really big, big, big story. The loving purposes of God from the first days of our disobedience unto the glorious redemption brought us by this holy child. So they go back to Adam and Eve, and, yeah. the, and they're telling the whole story of the world, you know, to, to the creation. And, and then they say, but first let us pray. And, and I was so struck, and I, every year since then as I listened to this, I, I listened for this particular aspect of the service, uh, the way the prayer begins. They say, but first let us pray for the needs of his whole world, for peace and goodwill over all the earth, for unity and brotherhood, and then this. Let us at this time remember the poor and the helpless, the cold, the hungry, and the oppressed, the sick in body and in mind, and them that mourn, the lonely and the unloved, the aged and the little children, all who know not the Lord Jesus or who love him not or who by sin have grieved his heart of love. And I just thought about that vast assemblage of the people who suffer and who are in pain or are deprived of something. And of course, the festival goes on to be joyous, but it's one of those experiences where I was, I, I, I recalibrated my view of Christmas, because without the remembrance of the, the neediness, our neediness, I've come to the realization that that profound experience of awe or wonder is contingent upon a kind of devastation that happens when we think about our neediness in the world. Hmm. Uh, the, when, you, when you are filled with awe at looking at the vastness of the universe, suddenly you feel small and you feel needy, and, there need, and, and, and you sense a need for something to come and redeem you, hmm. which is, in fact, the Christmas story. So every year I listen for the prayer, and I think it kind of helps me recalibrate in a way that it gets, gets far beyond my, my foolish, childish, earliest experiences of what Christmas was, was supposed to mean. Eat stuff, get stuff. Eat stuff, get stuff. <laughs> sing if you must. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Rinse and repeat. Yeah, thank you, Marcus. Yeah. Julie, how about you? Yeah. Um, so my my career has been in news radio and reporting broadcasting, yeah. which um, unfortunately when it's news, you can't pre-record it. Yeah. And then like somebody has to – be on shift Christmas morning <laughs> and yeah, Christmas yeah. Eve yeah. and Thanksgiving Day, right? Yeah. Like somebody actually has to be there in the studio in case news breaks. And if it doesn't, because sometimes it does, but also if it's not, like somebody still has to like do the news and push the buttons and for the most part, like make, and this was even before a lot of, you know, now a lot of that can even be done remotely from home for a lot of news radio hosts. But, but during my time, um, particularly when I was living in North Carolina as a reporter, for the NPR station there for six or so years, um, Christmas became an opportunity for what really turned into this like beautiful reciprocity in my life where um, I lived the farthest away from family. Mm. I was also the only member of the news team who was single and childless. Mm. And I realized that, you know, that when that when the scheduling day would come along and everyone would, like, look down because they didn't want to have to work on Christmas morning and they're like, I did it three years ago. It's not my turn yet. And who has to draw the straws? I, I could say, I'll do it. Like, let mm. me do it. Because Christmas morning for me has not a lot of meaning. And, and the reality was that I figured out that it's a nightmare to travel over Christmas across the country. <laughs> and so I could have a much more pleasant vacation if I waited until the first week of January and flew home to see all my nieces and nephews and family. And so every year at Christmas, I I loved being able to say, like, I'll do Christmas Eve. I'll do Christmas morning. Let me work that double shift. Um, and and then what was so neat for me, well, so, you know, so then it's like, you're like, alone watching TV in the empty studio and like it's you know it's a holiday like the lights don't even come on because they're like auto sensor and you have to keep walking around and waving your arms because like nobody's around in it you know and it kind of would have this you know it could sort of make you feel sort of lonely and depressed right except that people came out of the woodwork 
to make my holidays special mm. around those moments. Wow. So, you know, I attended after the sh- after the Christmas Eve, um, you know, afternoon shift, the drive time shift. I attended one of the most beautiful midnight masses I have ever been to in this beautiful Catholic cathedral where one of my colleagues was singing. Mm. And then the next morning, I'm on for the early, early morning shift and and finishing at about 9, 30, 10 o'clock in the morning when things would go, you know, when somebody else would come in to take that shift. And a family of young daughters in my congregation who had become like surrogate nieces for me, they they would keep some of their presents back so that Uh I could show up at 10 o'clock and have brunch with them oh, and see wow. the girls open some presents. Mm. So so for me, Christmas um, in radio always meant the chance to do something that I felt was really meaningful. I could serve in a way that no one else could. Mm. It was something I could mm. offer that, that gave meaning to something that otherwise might be kind of a hole in my life, you know, like— I could sit home on Christmas Eve and like not have kids and not have people around and yeah. sort of feel sorry for myself or I could go do this thing knowing that I was enabling something special for other people and then to see how people rallied around me to to make sure that I wasn't alone was um, wow. I love yeah, that. really oh, meaningful yeah, that. that's that is great really, man mm. how about you Lisa one thing that has has taken me by surprise especially over the holidays in doing the Lisa show is that connection with audience that I think maybe I wasn't mm anticipating to be so real and so genuine. Um, Because of the nature of the show and what we do, we really are trying to talk about things that maybe sometimes are uncomfortable to talk about, but that really help people, that help them live like their best life. And sometimes that can uh, be fun and really Mm -hmm. joyous. And a lot of times it can be um, quite painful. And I experienced this um, as I was caring for my husband with ALS and it uh, around the Christmas um, before he passed, it was very apparent that this was going to be his last Christmas. Mm. And we didn't know how much time he had, um, but I was entering the Christmas not feeling particularly like I wanted to celebrate, mm. but putting on a good, brave face at work and with my children and with my husband, because what else do you do kind of thing? And 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 a lot of the themes that we talk about at Christmas, though, is really difficult to avoid <laughs> feelings because it is such a tender time. But I learned something really profound that, that I've always carried with me. Uh, you can try to hide a lot, I think, in radio, but when you try to, when you really show up authentically, people appreciate it, even if it mm. isn't comfortable. And I was so touched and overwhelmed by my coworkers, all of you, and the audience that would reach out and just say just a little something uh, like, this may be hard, but um, I'm thinking of you, or I hope you feel peace during this year time of the year. Mm-hmm. And it helped me in a time when I was trying to keep it all together and do shows about, you know, teaching your kids about the, you know, Christmas spirit or uh, try not to get stressed out or how to maintain he- healthy relationships with your <laughs> with your extended family when you get together, you know, try to live a good life. And here internally, I was having the most difficult time of my life up, up till then. And I really will never forget those personalized messages that came in either through social media or that people would email into the show, just acknowledging the situation and thanking me for talking about certain things or thanking me for having a guest on. Basically, just participating in the conversation, which is all I wanted to do and set out to do, and had tried to kind of hide. Mm -hmm. And in that, it told me, it taught me really that there is such a benefit in being vulnerable, that there actually is a benefit not just to yourself but to other people. And now, you know, when Christmas comes around, ever since that um, Christmas in 2019, I am particularly uh, sensitive and aware that this is a time for deep sorrow and grief for a lot of people. And because of my uh, faith, it's also, like you were saying, Marcus, just so beautifully, because it is such a devastating time where you are 
certainly aware of the things that you don't have or maybe the things that aren't going well in life or the way that things have been broken that you can celebrate of the joy and the hope of Christ who will mend all things. And what a reason to celebrate. And what a reason to celebrate the light and the hope and the gift that that offers because there's no other way for for that kind of peace and relief. And so it's really interesting that coming in and just doing my job um, really was that sort of turning point to realizing something that I'm sure that a lot of people had already known. But but what a beautiful way and what a beautiful gift that radio has given me um, mm. for understanding the, that gift of vulnerability and and how much we need each other and and being able to reach through the airwaves is just different. It just yeah. really is a different kind of communication that I'm just yeah. very grateful for. Wow. Thank you. The vulnerability that you mentioned, you said it better than I did, but I'm just thinking about the crash and that brilliant star that that presides over what is otherwise a very dark scene, mm-hmm. a night scene, and the ultra, the ultimate vulnerability of, of an infant in that scene. It just, it, thank you. Yeah. Thanks. I, uh, I, 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 I've never walked into a radio environment as a radio professional where there has been no audience. You know, I, I, I get hired by a radio station and I can ask questions like, well, what's, what's your audience like? And how many people are listening? And, you know, and, and, and there are some, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> except, except for one time, uh, there was an entrepreneurially minded guy who hired me uh, uh, to build an an internet radio station from the ground up, and 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 I didn't know anything about building. I mean, I, what I knew is how to be behind a mic. But but we, you know, I, I I agreed to do it and built this internet radio station from the ground up. When we went from zero listeners to one listener, I was there. <laughs> you know, when we went from ten listeners. <laughs> To eleven listeners, <laughs> I was there, <laughs> and it was a and it was an it was an unusual time, you know, uh, building something completely from the ground up like that, and and I, I, even when you do know that there are a lot of people listening, you know, a lot of the work that you do is behind a microphone in a room alone, and you and you find yourself thinking, I wonder if if anybody's listening, I wonder yeah. if this is doing any good. Right, and especially in, uh, uh, under those circumstances where we were just growing from a tiny little seed, you know, this was many years ago, and and uh, and I, I I got an email, uh, I got an email from a guy. He was emailing me from Iraq, and he was a bomber pilot in <laughs> Iraq, and 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 he and uh, and his crew, his bomber pilot crew, had had been listening to Christmas music on our. Little internet radio station oh, <laughs> across, wow. across the sea in Iraq, <laughs> and and his email talked about how much uh, c- comfort it it brought to them. He said it, it, the work that we do is hard and it takes a lot out of us, and we come home often discouraged, even on a day when the work has gone well. He said especially sometimes on a day when the work has gone well. We come home discouraged. Mm-hmm. And to come home to that audio experience from home was really is is really meaningful f- for us. And he said he said I'd like you to know that we're going to fly an American flag in honor of your radio station on our next bomber mission. And he sent a photograph. He sent another email later on with a photograph of the crew gathered around this American flag. And uh, when he came home from Iraq, he sought me out and gave me the flag. Wow. And I, 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 I have the flag displayed in, in, in my office. And I, I think about it a lot. I think about that notion of, of not knowing what good the Christmas cheer that I was bringing into the world was doing in the world. And that, that really kind of tangible reminder that, that for someone it meant something, you know. And that, that, that has always meant a great deal to me. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to Thanksgiving of this year. Uh, my mother, my dear mother, is in the throes of deep, deep, dementia has been for several years now 
And she can't really even track more than a few words at a time. You know, a, a, a conversation with her is, is very, very simple and very, very repetitive. And, and uh, she lives in a memory care facility. And uh, on Thanksgiving, I, I went to spend Thanksgiving Day with her, you know. And uh, I sat next to her on the sofa as uh, and and we chatted and laughed and and uh, the other residents of the memory care facility were being kind of taken off, you know, shuffling along or pushed in wheelchairs over to the dining area where there was a Thanksgiving meal waiting for them. And as that sort of processional was happening, you know, everybody going over to get their Thanksgiving meal, somebody turned on uh, the radio. And it was uh, it was Christmas music, and it was the most lighthearted marshmallow world <laughs> Christmas music imaginable, <laughs> yeah. you know. And I've I've always been a little bit humbuggy. I've always been a, mm-hmm. like the guy who you know give me sort of the high and holy carols and give me the the Christmas liturgy, and you know. And, <laughs> and, and here we were eating with my mom these days means feeding my mom, you know. And so mm-hmm. I'm. I'm sitting there lifting forkfuls of turkey and stuffing and asparagus, you know, to to her mouth. And and I lifted a forkful to her mouth and she she didn't take it. And I looked at her, and it's because she was singing along with White Christmas hmm. on the on the radio. And I thought, that that means the world to me, you know. My mom for just a moment is is here yeah. with me and and singing coherently along in her beautiful voice she's she's always been a musician her whole life and she's singing along with 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 white christmas being played on the radio what i would have loved to have done is to thank the guy in the radio studio the dj who had played that music behind the mixing board maybe he's there all alone you know playing christmas music and wondering if it's getting anywhere wondering if it's doing the good that he hopes it's doing and unable to do that, I reached out and thanked the guy who had turned on the radio. <laughs> you know, but I don't think whoever was behind the board even knew what a gift that was. Certainly to me, but I think also to my to my mother. Sometimes it means a lot. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. Thanks for sharing your stories, guys. You bet, Sam. How about we wrap up this part of the show with another song? Steve, you're going to do something with your wife, Joanne, yeah? So years ago, in a previous life as a songwriter, <laughs> um, I had this uh, a commission to work on a children's musical theater piece for Christmas, but they wanted something to sort of sum it up at the end. We had told the basic story and had a little bit of fun with the shepherds, like how boring it is to be a shepherd. Nothing much happens to guys like us. We just are here with our sheep. Yeah. It's a little bit of ma, a little bit of ma, and you know, all of that. And then... Uh, the high and holy liturgy. The high, of as, as you were describing. Uh, one lesson, one carol. Yeah. And so, um, but they wanted something a little higher and holier. Mm. But I thought, how do I do this kid-wise? Mm. And so the song that I ended up writing that... Uh, I have, with great duress and testing the very core fibers of our relationship, (laughs) persuaded my wife to sing with me (laughs) here, is a song uh, called, What Could I Give to Jesus? And it starts with the lines, uh, what can I give to the one who has everything? What could I give to Jesus? And then it wonders about some things, ways you can do things, and then... As you'll hear in the final, I'm not, this is not a spoiler. (laughs) You know where this is going. Uh, And the final lines, all I can give is the way that I live. That's what I'll give to Jesus. Mm. Let's hear the song. Mm. Thank you. 
to the one who has everything what could i give to jesus what could he need from a person as small as me oh what could i give i could help him by feeding the hungry that is a gift to everything what could i give to jesus all i can give is the way that i live and that's what i'll give to jesus oh yeah <laughs> steve that's thanks beautiful uh, I hope your relationship is okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to we, Joanne we, we, for that. Glad she did that. We have a skilled yeah. counselor who has, <laughs> who has helped us through such moments before. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be no, fine. thankful to you and thankful to Joanne too. God Good bless heaven. us yeah. everyone. <laughs> so. No, it, it was it was beautiful. It was perfect. Thank you. More coming up on a BYU Radio Family Christmas. Stick around. I'm Sam Payne, and it's been such a pleasure for us to be with you for a BYU Radio Family Christmas. I've been sitting in the studio with Julie Rose, host of the Top of Mind podcast, Lisa Valentine Clark, host of the Lisa Show podcast, Marcus Smith, host of the Constant Wonder podcast, and of course, I'm the host of the Appleseed podcast. And we're not quite done celebrating with each other and with you this hour. We have a tradition together of ending this show with a Christmas reading from the Bible, from Luke chapter 2, and the singing of a carol together. Let's do that, shall we? And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was, that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day, in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger." And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary, and Joseph, and the babe, lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things, and pondered them in her heart.
Thanks for joining us for a BYU Radio Family Christmas. Guys, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Sam. Thank Merry you. Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. It's been such a pleasure to share this special hour with the hosts of the BYU Radio Family of Podcasts and with you. Lift your spirits and give every member of your family something to enjoy. With any or all of the BYU Radio podcasts, try Top of Mind with Julie Rose for a thoughtful look at important issues, Constant Wonder for a way to connect with the awe available all around us, The Lisa Show for good advice, good company, and some welcome laughter, The Appleseed for stories worth telling again and again, and In Good Faith for a look at the faith journeys of all kinds of folks. Find them wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for BYU Radio Podcasts and you'll find us. I'm Sam Payne. Merry Christmas.